Good morning, beloved. Is this thing on? Because I talk well, but I don't hear good. (laughs) The Lord didn't exactly put it that way. He said, you need to help this guy. So, but it has been an honor. And we're, as a church body, we are about to make some big transitions. So if you put up the, the scripture... It's 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 12. It's kind of awkward when you read along, so let me have a shot at it. If you want to read, go for it. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all of the parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of of it. Don't I read good? <laughs> In this portion of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul refers to us as a body. Many parts, but one body. Now look at us. Just take a little look around. Go ahead. Don't be shy. There aren't any two of us alike. Some have a few similarities, but no two are alike. We all have different giftings. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different experiences. And some of us have scars. Just look at the diversity of occupations represented in this room. Pretty awesome. Each one of us has been molded by the good, the bad, by our experiences. They have shaped us into the people we are, 
and we've all thrown this together into one pot that we call Community Church. It says so right there. I love this church. As a matter of fact, I love you. I've had a really diverse church history. My mother was a Lutheran. My dad was with the Brethren. If you don't know who they are, they're so narrow-minded they can look through a keyhole with both their eyes open. <laughs> you do know who they are. <laughs> I've been in the Pentecostal church. I've been in the Baptist church. Before we moved here, we were 10 years in the vineyard. Imagine all the church experience represented in this room. But of all of the experience that I've had, this church is unique. And it's my favorite. You know, Steve said when I first came here, it was the thing that really made me hook into this church. He said, I want this church to be what the name says, a church for the whole community. Now, if we believe the Apostle Paul, we're going to have to acknowledge that it is the Lord who put each one of us here. In verse 18 through 20, we notice the diversity of the body is the Lord's doing. He didn't make us all the same for very good reasons. Sometimes I like to think that if only the rest of you were a little bit more like me. The truth is, you don't want that to happen. I have some good qualities. I have some not-so-good qualities. My wife thinks I'm a procrastinator. She's nodding. <laughs> Here's something about couples. Most couples are opposites. Donna's a tidy. I'm a messy. She lives in a sterile environment. If I'm not getting dirty, I'm not making money. It doesn't feel like it much of the time, but we're a balance to keep the other one from going over the edge. It's funny how these little things that attracted us to each other, I thought, man, this is the most together woman I've ever met. But now it seems to drive me crazy at times. <laughs> and she can tell you the same story. But I need to realize that it's the Lord that put us together to be opposite each other, to keep us in check, to keep the other in check. Now, verse 21, it talks about the I don't need you syndrome. Now, sometimes we get to thinking that our position in the body is just a little bit more important than the other person's position. The head is more important than the feet. It's the control center of the body, for crying out loud but just try to get around without your feet. Here's another truth. My head has gotten me into more trouble than my feet ever have or ever will. For that reason alone, my feet deserve more honor than my head. My head's important, but it is not infallible. In verse 25, Paul talks about there being no division in the body. Now, there is no such thing as a standalone Christian. 
A lot of times we'd like it to be so, but it is not so. We are in this together. Paul says, each other is our main concern. So think of your body. Think of your, how often do you think of your appendix? How many have ever seen their appendix? How many even know where your appendix is besides Donna? The only time the appendix gets any attention at all is when it goes on the blink. Then it gets plenty of attention. Verse 26, he says, if, no, if one part hurts, they all hurt. Have you ever had a handful of gravel in your eyes? That seems to be one of the things that happens in a mine. You get a handful of sharp stones in your eye. It takes the whole body out of the game immediately. What's the first thing that happens? Your hands go over your eyes to protect from more gravel getting in there. Then all the other senses like hearing, balance, touch, and smell, all kick it up a notch to rescue the body. It's also true when one part rejoices. My favorite smell, I'll tell you, and I'm telling you right now, you cannot duplicate it. Right after it rains on the mountain is my most favorite smell in the whole world. I don't even know what it smells like, but it sure smells good. Bacon's a second place. <laughs> if, if my wife had cologne that smelled like bacon, look out. <laughs> but when I smell that smell, it sends a ripple of rejoicing through my whole body. I love that smell. So we are the body of Christ. All different. All important. All placed here for a reason. I've used this example before, but think of the great sailing ships of the past. You know, like the master and commander ships, the big wood ships with multiple masts and multiple sails, and how beautiful they are, and what a piece of craftsmanship that they, that they are. And there's, they're made up of thousands and thousands of little parts, but they all work in concert to do the mission of a ship. Of a ship. From a long way off, you can see one of those ships, the big mass, the sails they support. The sails capture the wind and propel the ship forward. The more square yards of canvas that you have out, the faster and farther that ship is able to go. Now, if I were to relate the sails to the church body, I would say that these are the visionaries, the prophetic, the movers. They capture the wind of the Spirit and they move the body in that direction. They supply energy and enthusiasm. We're not going to go anywhere without those people among us. These are placed in the body to keep us from going stale, to take us to new places. Now, Martin Luther was one of these. Uh, in uh, Bethlehem, we had to wait 
going into the Church of the Nativity over on the side while the Roman Catholics went through their thing with the incense and the gongs. And the, and then the Greek Orthodox had their shot, and they came in with the incense and the bells and the holy objects. And uh, We stood there, what, an hour? Steve said, you can thank Martin Luther that we're not still doing this. You can thank Martin Luther. See, the church of his time was uh, abusing their position. They had a mindset that you can come to God, but it's got to be through us, sort of like the mafia. You can pray to God, but it's got to be through us. You can get gifts from God, but it's got to come through us. Well, this wasn't right. One day, one, uh, Martin Luther was reading the scripture, and he had this epiphany. Hey, I can approach God be born again, and have a relationship with him without the uh, priestly order. So he, he wrote this experience down into a thesis, and he nailed it on the church door. And all of us have been moved. The whole body of Christ. You ever heard of the Protestant movement? You know where that came from? Originally, we were called Protestants. We were protesting the, the established church. That's where we came from. Martin Luther did all of us a favor. He did the Lord a favor. Matter of fact, he was such a cutting-edge guy, he wrote that great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, a bulwark never failing. Now, when we sing that today, that is holy grail. That is like old Therefore, holy. When he penned those words, he put them to the tune of a popular bar song so that everybody would know it and could sing it. There's our holy grail. But sales need a balance. No, it's not, uh, it's not all of us, about us. You see, they're out there and visible and experiencing the wind and moving in new directions. And it's real easy for a sale to think that Man, it is all about me. Which is why every ship has another component. It's called a keel. It's a long, fin-like object that sinks deep into the water. Nobody sees a keel, but it's still there. And it's just as important as a sail. You know that sails don't work very well when they're wet, and they're like laying in the water. They don't catch any wind at all. It's the keel that provides the stability for the ship to keep it upright. To keep it from capsizing when the wind blows. These are the discerners, the wise, the experienced among us. Placed in the body for a specific role. To keep the sails in check. To keep the sails from creating a disaster. You know, we've seen pictures of those great ships sailing, you know, across the whatever with a huge side wind, and that thing is just leaning at a terrific angle, and you think, thank God for a keel. If it wasn't for a keel, that thing would just flop over. Keels aren't visible, but we know they're there, supplying stability. The greater the storm, the more necessary a keel. Sometimes sails think 
keels are a drag. Sometimes keels think sails are fanatics. But one cannot discount the other if the ship is going anywhere safely. Neither the sail nor the keel are able to do the function of the other. Though they're totally opposite in every way, they work in concert for the safety and the benefit of each other. Now, sometimes it seems that sails and uh, this conflict that they're having it, it can be ugly, but you know that that resistance that they have one for the other, if it wasn't there, the ship would go nowhere. Paul says in verse 25, each other is our concern. We need each other. I said that this church is unique. I want, don't want you to think you're all sailors, but this church is unique. This church has qualities and strengths that I have experienced, haven't experienced anywhere else in my Christian walk. I gladly call this church home. I can't think of a person in this body who hasn't added to my spiritual well-being, past, present, and I expect future. There are a lot of strengths in this body. I tried to add it up in my head, and there's probably over 3,000 years of Christian service relationship in this church if you added everybody together you know there might be one here and 50 there and 60 there it's pretty incredible the New Testament isn't even 2,000 years old we have a tremendous energy from the many young people that we have we have King's kids now, we, what an asset that is. And the teachers, we don't have a good children's program. We have a great children's program. Those children are the future of the kingdom of God. One day, they are going to take the mantle from us. They're extremely important. And you know what? Our children's ministry is not stale. It's growing. It's alive and active. And there goes one of my granddaughters right there. <laughs> this church has a name that is all-inclusive. Our guests from Holland asked me this morning if I thought they'd be welcome here. What kind of a church was this? And I said, it's, what, it's, it's just what the name says. It's a community church. Everybody is welcome. Matter of fact, remember that's the first thing that sold me on this. A church for the whole community. One of our greatest strengths is the diversity of our congregation. Most churches are either older generation or younger generation with a little of the middle mixed in between. We've got it all. We've got people in every generation that attend here regularly and contribute and are part of this body. I think that's awesome. 
Also, the diversity is reflected in our worship services. Now, I used to say that our worship service is kind of like a buffet table. But now, after thinking it over, I think it's more like a potluck. You see, at a buffet table, they spread all this stuff out, and you just come by and you take what you want. A potluck, you prepare your best dish, and you bring it and share it with the whole body. That's what our worship services are like. The preparation that goes in, the heart preparation that we do before we come here, and we share it with the whole body. There's something for everyone. You like meat? We got meat. You like salad? We got salad. Think about our music. We got a choir. Not today, but usually. We got a praise band. We got hymns. We got special music. We have extremely gifted musicians that are members of this body that prepare weekly, bring something for all of us. You know, the choir, there's some people that, uh, that don't really care for the choir. I think of the quality and reflection that they bring to a service. I think of the individual sacrifice that each member puts forth to be a part of that body. And what they do for us is awesome. First, top shelf. The praise band. Now, I personally need the stretching that I get in the interaction with praise music. Also, it's a, a, a way to connect with the young and the seekers. And the old hymns. You know, I was raised on those. I have a hymnal that I didn't get from here that uh, sometimes I'll just up at the cabin, open that up and, and read the words to those old hymns, mostly because I can't read music. Those are so profound. The message that they put forth, the truth, the relevance, they're beautiful. And what about spiritual gifts? Now, we don't have a few with each spiritual gift. We have many with each spiritual gift. Sweet William was a mentor of mine about 25 years ago, and he used to say this, God's got a wrench that'll fit any nut that can make it through that door. <laughs> Simple but true. God does have a wrench that'll fit any nut that can make it through that door. And this church has the ability to connect with just about anyone. And here's how that works. We come with our own wounds and hurts and we receive love and healing. And then when someone else walks through that door with those same wounds and hurts, they are surrounded and loved on by the healed. And I see it happen here week after week. I see it happening out on the sidewalk and down in the basement. That is a church body functioning like a body to rescue the part that's hurting. We had a little thing on missions. 
this little church in this little town in this underpopulated county has had an impact all over the world. On, flag, on Mission Sunday, when they bring in all the flags of the places that we've had an impact on around the globe, from Dominican Republic and Sierra Leone and Ukraine and Taiwan and Mexico and Peru and flags, I don't even know where they're from, but they're pretty. It's true, huh? <laughs> this little church kind of like this little light of mine. You know, I could go on and on about the strength of the strengths of this body, but there is one very important strength that I need to talk about, and that is the captain. Every ship has a captain. It's his responsibility to help the body fulfill its mission in one piece. The pastor is the toughest position on the ship in the body, in all of Christianity as far as I know. Lots of people like to tell the pastor what to do and what he needs to do, but few could or want to fill his shoes given the opportunity. Pastors are some of my favorite Christians in the whole world because they're out there. I've served with many many great pastors. But our captain is among the very best. Ever heard of this quote? A ship is safe in the harbor, but it is meant for the open sea. A good captain, an experienced captain, will challenge us to new experiences, to new horizons, he has the kingdom of God in mind as well as the health and welfare of the body. Oswald Chambers wrote, We harp for where we have been, but the Lord wants to take us somewhere we have never been. Are you up for it? Our captain has brought us a long way through many storms and some battles but it's time for him to move on. Reassignment. When I think of the changes from when I first came here, wow. You know, there used to be a moat right across here. It didn't have any water in it. It was made out of wood. Parts of it remain on each end there where we hacked it in two. The woodwork was beautiful. But the message it stood for of exclusivity and separation between the congregation and the pulpit needed to be smashed. So now we have this all-inclusive set of stairs where you can come up here if you want to and you won't get scolded. The praise band. I remember the early attempts to bring personal, contemporary praise music into our worship. I remember how bloody Steve got over that. <laughs> They're awesome. They lead me in worship. They lead us all. 
Now, this used to be a really dark place. You almost had to wear a headlamp to, to move around in here. It was just kind of gloomy dark. And now with the new lighting and the sound system, and it's just incredible the change that it is. And Webster Hall used to be a dusty old relic of a, you know, it would be your last choice of where to have a wedding or a meeting of some sort. Now, with the renovations, not only the tool for King's Kids, but for all kinds of other events as well, our order of worship. I mentioned this. There is something for everyone. If you leave here hungry, you did not join in the service. And I could go on and on, and so could you. But more than any of these, look at how we have grown spiritually as a body. The meat of the word that is served here continually. The spiritual health of our members. The willingness to serve the ministry to the saints, to the community, to the world. The relationship and sense of community we share is real and strong. Did you know I love you? We've come a long way, baby, together. There have been storms that could have sunk our ship but we made it. We've done it without our sails getting wet or our keel growing moss. Well done, Community Church. Our captain has done his assignment very well, and I am grateful. It's sort of bittersweet to see him step down. I admire your personal spiritual life, and it has been an honor to serve with you. I'm not glad to see you go, but I'm excited to see where we go from here. The Lord isn't finished with community church, and neither am I. We've got new horizons to experience, new people to bond with, the realm of the Spirit is broad, and it's roomy, and we're going to get to go out and experience things you can't imagine. What a privilege. But as this new chapter of our church opens, I don't want to forfeit any of the ground that we have conquered. I don't want to rest on our laurels either and grow mold. We need to stay fresh. We need those sails to be out in the wind. We also need those keels to run deep in the water and keep us stable. I want to go where the Lord is going. This is his church, after all. Community church. A church for the whole community. And no one knows what our next chapter will bring, except the Lord, our great King. Hebrews 12 calls Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. Think of that, the author 
and finisher of our faith. You know, we've just finished the story recently as a church body, but we haven't finished his story. It's still being written, still being perfected in each of our lives and in this church and community. We've all got a role to play, everyone, in this church and in our community and beyond. I think we're up for it. Matter of fact, I believe that we're up for it. The Lord has gathered each of us here at this time, at this place, for his purpose. Thanks for listening. Let's pray. Father, we want to acknowledge, first of all, that this is your church. We know that you are the great and caring king and that you have a vision for this church and for every individual under the sound of my voice that calls this church home. We ask you to make those things real. We ask you to increase our faith to walk the walk that you have laid out before us. We know that you, the great master, has already charted our course. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be wise in selecting the captain that you have for us. We ask these things in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Our uh, final hymn is number 540. I love thy kingdom, Lord. The second verse says, I love thy church, O God. Her walls before thee stand, dear as the apple of thine eye, engraven on thy hand. For her my tears shall fall, for her my prayers ascend. To her my cares and toils be given, till toils and cares shall end. Told you those old hymns were beautiful. Let's stand and sing together.
Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate that message today. Um, please pray for uh, Arthur and Keita Majors. Arthur was uh, flown out uh, on Friday to Grand Junction with a problem with his heart, and they're down there, but I think that it's going to be okay for them. Um, and just uh, don't mean to, to embarrass or single anyone out, but uh, Dennis and Tammy Fraser, it's really great to see you today. Dennis, we've been praying for you, and it's so great to see you here. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, well, God bless everyone. I'm going to send you off with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace today and forever. Amen. Bless you all.